0: I love hanging out with kids and hearing about their dreams. So often children have a sense of wonder and possibilities. I'm gonna be the next Connor McDavid, arguably the best hockey player in the world, or the little girl that says, I'm gonna be a designer, and she tells you about the dress designs she has in her head, or the little boy who already has a collection of trucks, I'm gonna be a trucker. Dreams, aspirations, somewhere along the way, How often have I seen it? It's like life beats that childhood optimism out of you. Creativity, zest for life is replaced with inability, disappointment, shame, cynicism, you name it, dreams are dead. I experienced the death of a childhood dream. When I was a young boy, I moved to Canada and very soon fell in love, not with a girl, but with hockey. And because I lived in Calgary, I could play outside as much as I wanted in the winter. And even though I started late, because I played a lot of pickup hockey with older boys, it didn't take me long to catch up. And soon after a while I had success in competitive hockey and like most Canadian boys, I started to dream about being an NHL hockey player someday. And then my dream died. I'll never forget the day. I was in my teenage years and playing in a uh, tryout camp for Junior A hockey when I started to have pain down my leg. Um, I thought I could just play through it like a Typical athlete, but it was so painful I could hardly walk after practicing, let alone play hockey. X-rays followed and the doctor appointment I'll never forget. Seems I had a bone condition that under pressure put pressure on my sciatic nerve, causing extreme pain. The good news was with rest and time, uh, it would get better on its own. The bad news was with rest and time, it would get better on its own. I would not be playing hockey for years. I still remember driving home that day with tears running down my eyes. The death of a dream. COVID-19 has literally killed people, but it's also killed a lot of dreams. When this pandemic, we didn't really know how bad it was yet and social distancing and travel bans were not in place. I met a friend who's in the travel business. And she told me that 2020 had started off as her best year ever in the business, but now everything was uncertain. The question for her was, how long is this gonna last? And for so many businesses, the question is, can we make it through? On Good Friday, we saw Peter blessed by God to understand that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. We saw Peter chosen by God to be a leader in God's church. We also saw Peter fail. We saw the death of Peter's dream. But there's more to Peter's story, just like there's more to my story. And because Jesus is alive, I'm convinced there's more to your story too. Have You ever thought about how we like resurrection stories? What I mean by that is stories where the people that we're cheering for, the the guys that are the protagonist or the girl that you're rooting for, it looks like they're down and out, like they're dead in the water, and yet somehow they come back and they're okay. You, You see that constantly in the themes of movies and books that do well. Think of the classic Rocky the outclassed boxer knocked down to the canvas, but he gets up and he takes the champion, the full rounds. You think of a movie like Gladiator, Maximus who won't bend his knee to the new emperor. looks like he's dead and gone in the forest, but somehow survives and from the ashes arises to get back to Rome. You think of a movie like The Boy Who Harnesses the Wind, a village that looks like it's down and out. It's going to become extinct because of a famine. And yet here's a boy with great intellect and using scrap parts, builds a windmill to harness both the wind and the water beneath the ground so that the crops can live again. And you think of the classic, It's a Wonderful Life, George Bailey, who literally wants to die of financial hardship and accused of embezzling, and yet the community rallies together so that he can live. In our lives, we feel the pain of loss and setback, and we want to believe that there is hope, a comeback. That's Peter's story. Jesus writes that kind of story. In John chapter 20, we read that it's the first day of the week. Jesus has been crucified, he's been taken to a tomb. Mary goes to the tomb early in the morning and she finds the stone rolled away. But she doesn't know that it's a resurrection. She says they have taken his body, as she talks to Peter and John. They run to the tomb as well. And the scripture says that they did not yet understand that Jesus would rise from the dead nobody gets it. You see, the likelihood of victory snatched out of death is so beyond our human mind, they can't grasp it with their intellect. But let's face it, without the resurrection, there's no story here. Without the resurrection, there's no gospel of John, there's no New Testament, there's no New Testament church. As the Apostle Paul wrote, If there is no resurrection, we as Christians are people most miserable. We've got nothing to hope in. There's nothing to dream for. In fact, we are still separated from God without hope and dead in the water, dead in our sins. But Jesus is alive. This is the Christian hope and claim. Now, if you're watching or listening today and you are not a follower of Jesus, but you're curious and you're wondering but you don't wanna be gullible, you don't wanna believe in a fairy tale. This is where it all begins. This is where you need to go with your quest. Did Jesus rise from the dead? No historical scholar would say that Jesus did not live in first century Palestine. The question is around the fact, did he rise from the dead as his followers claim? As much as we can piece together history that happened 2000 years ago, the historical evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is compelling. Chicago reporter Lee Strobel, his wife became a Christian. It so annoyed him that he wanted to debunk it, but his investigation led him to a conversion to follow Jesus Christ. His book and movie, The Case for Christ, is a great place to go as a resource. Gary Habermas was a man who, as a scholar, gave most of his life's attention to study the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He has written a number of books, which are very helpful, showing how the evidence for the Resurrection of Jesus Christ is not only historically plausible, but most likely. The Gospel of John was written by a man who believed that Jesus rose from the dead, a personal disciple of Jesus Christ. He was willing to suffer for it, and he wrote his gospel so that we might believe. In John chapter 20, we read, Jesus reveals himself to Mary. He calls out to her, Mary. And hearing his voice, Mary understands that it is Jesus, the risen Savior. Mary runs to the disciples, tells them that she has seen the Lord. Now imagine if you're Peter. There would be both excitement, and at the same time, the reminder, I failed him. Jesus appeared to his disciples that night, but it's over a week until he zeroes in on Peter. By the time we get to John chapter 21, Peter has said, I'm going fishing. It's what he knew. It's what he did before Jesus had called him to be a leader in the church. And he's gone back to that. I'm sure Peter thought, a leader in the church of God? Yeah, right. I failed him. And perhaps for you, you know what it's like to fail God. And the voices that go on in your head of condemnation, you're not good enough. Perhaps you had a calling, but yeah, it's dormant. It's dead now. We need to see how Jesus deals with Peter serves as an example as to how Jesus relates to us. Jesus seems to be in no hurry. He waits to zero in on Peter. He wants to make sure that Peter learns the lessons that needed to be learned. It's tragic when we don't learn from our failures. For Peter, I'm sure he's thinking, what difference does it make now that Jesus has risen from the dead? What difference does it make in my calling and in my failures? And we can think the same. What difference does it make in our calling and our failures now that Jesus has risen from the dead. As we look at the scriptures, we find that because Jesus is alive, you can. Because Jesus is alive, you are called. Because Jesus is alive, you are empowered. Let's look at these three. Because Jesus is alive, you can. Peter and his disciples, they've gone fishing. And we find them in John chapter 21 as they're fishing. They've fished all night and they haven't caught anything. Jesus is on the shore in the morning and he calls out to them, hey, have you caught any fish? Now this is a natural question that people who fish ask each other. Have you got anything? Well, it's been a bad time to ask because their answer is no. Jesus tells them, throw your net on the right side and you will have a fill of fish. They do that and their nets are full. I would love to bring Jesus along on a fishing trip with me. Once again, Peter is gonna learn, I am not enough, but Jesus is enough. Peter had told Jesus, I will follow you. I will lay my life down for you. But in his own strength, he couldn't do it. He can't. Peter's learning once again, that he is not enough, but Jesus is. Think about what he's best at, fishing. And yet they fished all night, haven't caught anything. So it is with us, we can strategize even at the things we're best at. But if Jesus isn't in it, we come up empty. When Jesus is in it, it makes all the difference. And this is the story of John's gospel. When Jesus is involved in something, there's not scarcity, there's abundance, there's generosity, there's overflowing. We see that at the wedding at Cana, In John chapter two, where there's an overabundance of good wine, we see that in John chapter six, the feeding of the 5,000 with just five loaves of bread and two fish, and yet there's an overabundance of provision because Jesus is in the picture. And here we see a haul of fish because Jesus has told them to cast the net on the other side. Jesus had said, apart from me, you can do nothing. But the flip side to that is when Jesus is in something, there's abundance there's generosity, and you can. You can get up and try again. The past is no indication of the future. They'd fished all night, got nothing. But if Jesus says something and asks us to do something, you can, and the picture is changed. Because Jesus is alive, you can. Because Jesus is alive, you are called. In verse seven of John chapter 21, John says, it's the Lord. I guess from the boat they didn't recognize it that it was Jesus, maybe it was his resurrected body, but they get to shore, Peter first, and Jesus serves them breakfast. When breakfast is over, Jesus addresses Peter, Simon, son of John? The fact that Jesus uses Peter's original name says something. He's reminding Peter that he hasn't acted as a rock when put to the test. He's failed. Jesus does not want Peter to ignore his past, but Jesus brings it to the light so that he can be free from it. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? When Jesus asked that question, he's maybe asking if Simon Peter loves Jesus more than fishing or if he loves Jesus more than the other disciples because Simon had once said, though everyone falls away from you, I won't do that. Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? And there's an exchange in the original language of Greek of of two different words used for love. One is agape, one is phileo, And too too much probably has been made of those two distinct words because they're used interchangeably in the New Testament. What it really is of importance here is that Jesus is restoring Peter in relationship to himself and also to his calling. Reconciliation is what the resurrection accomplishes. Because Jesus is alive, reconciliation is more than skin deep, it's fundamental. Because Jesus died and rose again, There is not only forgiveness between individuals, but there's forgiveness with God. There's reconciliation to God, forgiveness, right standing with God, restoration happens because Jesus died, he rose from the dead. This now becomes true for Peter with Jesus, the son of God. Three times Peter had denied Jesus. Now three times he gets to affirm his love for Jesus. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, yes. Yes, in Near Eastern cultures, one of the ways you made something official and solemnize it was to do it three times. In the Bible, when something is repeated, it's of great importance. When something is repeated three times, it's made superlative. Do you love me, Peter? Yes. Do you love me, Peter? Yes. Do you love me, Peter? Yes. And with each affirmation of Peter's love, that he will love Jesus, not, not serve him out of duty, Jesus commissions him again to be a leader in the church. Because Jesus is alive, death is not the end of it. Failure is never final. And when it comes to your calling, you can dream again. What has God called you to? In each gospel, Jesus predicts that Peter will fail him. That's four times. In each gospel, we see Peter fail Jesus by disowning him four times. And yet here we see in John's gospel, Jesus commissioning Peter again to be a leader in his church. Maybe you failed God and thought, I'm done. I can never serve God. I'll never be called. My calling is dead and dormant. We need to remind ourselves of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and that because he is alive again, he's in the business of restoration and reconciliation and bringing that which was dead back to life again, including your calling. You have a calling and that calling is unique. Some are called to serve inside the church. Some are called to serve outside of it, in the spheres of business or education or health care. Each of us has a unique calling that God has given to us. In John chapter 21, towards the end of it, Peter sees John following Peter and Jesus as they're having this conversation. And he asks Jesus the question, what about him? Jesus says, don't worry about him. Worry about your own calling. You follow me. And this is the reality if you're watching or listening today and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus would want you to get connected to him because in him you will find your purpose. And the reality is if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are connected to a church and in that you have a calling, you have a purpose, you are needed, you have a role to play and it's unique to you. Just like your DNA is unique, God has a unique calling for you to play. Will you step into it? We can greatly encourage one another in this area to help each other get over our fears and apprehensions. Dave Ferguson is a pastor of a church with multi-sites in Illinois, Chicago area. And one of the things that they've practiced within their church is is this idea of calling out the giftings in one another. They use an acronym, ICNU. I see in you the gift of shepherding. I see in you the gift of mercy. I see in you the gift of the prophetic. I see in you this gift of encouragement. And as they speak to one another that way, they call out the giftings of God in each other and see them come into action. Because Jesus is alive, you can. Because Jesus is alive, you are called. Because Jesus is alive, you are empowered. In Jesus' first appearance, John chapter 20, to the disciples, Jesus says to them, Peace be to you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. He then breathed on them and said to them, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Jesus had promised earlier in the Gospel of John that he would not leave them as orphans, but he would send his Spirit. The Spirit would teach them, bring things to their remembrance, and empower them. The Gospel writer Luke fills in more of the details when he tells us in the book of Acts, after Jesus rose from the dead, he told them to wait in Jerusalem for this promised Holy Spirit. They did that and as they waited in prayer, it happened. And we see Peter, a changed man, changed not just because he saw the risen Savior, changed not just because Jesus restored him and reconciled their relationship and commissioned him. We see Peter as he preached on that first sermon Changed because Jesus has risen from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father, and poured out the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the dream for God's people, the nation of Israel, is that they would live in a right relationship with God and flourish under his care as they loved him. But as you read the Old Testament prophets, so often that dream just seems so dead. In Ezekiel chapter 37, Ezekiel sees the nation of Israel as a valley of dry bones and they are saying, we are dried up, our hope is gone, we're dead. But God says to Ezekiel to prophesy to them. God says, I will put my spirit in them and they shall live. And Ezekiel sees a picture of these dry bones coming to life and they become a vast army. In this crazy season, I'm seeing the signs of God's spirit at work in his people. He's releasing creativity In my own circle with my own eyes and ears, I'm seeing songs being written, books being written, videos being produced. I'm seeing spoken words being given in the middle of the night so that a mother of two children has to go into her closet and record what God is speaking to her. God is calling out his children, inviting them to step into the calling that he has for them. It's time to put to rest those chains of the past. It's time to believe the gospel that we are forgiven and our failures are dealt with and taken care of in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's time to resurrect those visions and dreams that God has given to us, that he has purified, and to step out into them once again. What does God want you to step into, not for yourself, but for his glory? What does God want you to step into for the sake of others? Because Jesus is alive, you are empowered. Because Jesus is alive, you are called Because Jesus is alive, you can. You can, we can, dream again. Perhaps you are watching or listening today and you're at a place in your life where you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you'd like to. Maybe you've wandered away from Jesus or you've never had that relationship with him. To establish that relationship with Jesus, it's not that complicated. You can just simply say a prayer that goes along the line of, Jesus, I'm sorry for the way that I've sinned against you. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for my sins and rose again that I could be in a right relationship with God. I receive you as my Savior and ask you to be the Lord of my life. If you've prayed that prayer, we'd love to walk with you further to help you in your relationship with Jesus. On the Central Heights website, centralheights.ca, there's a connect button. You can simply click on that. Tell us that you've committed your life to Christ and we'd love to help you on your journey. For those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ and we're gonna enter into a time of worship now and especially in the first song, I'd love it if we could just deeply reflect on where God has called us as individuals. What has he called us into? How does that align with the dreams he's already put inside of us? And what is he asking us to do to act out on that? Also to think about Who is it that I could message or encourage in their calling? I see in you this. And to actually take a step this week to touch base with a couple of people and encourage them in the gifting and calling that God has given them. God bless you as you continue to worship him now in song.